This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Monday, July the 4th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Coming up, you can hear from the Kent Town where an increase in people owning second homes has left some locals fearing it's losing its community. Plus, find out which area of Kent has a high number of dog attacks on postal workers and we'll be chatting about Kent Cricket's disappointing run in the T20 Blast. But first, we're going to be focusing on the ongoing cost of living crisis. How much you have to pay to fill up your car has been an issue for some time now and there are no signs of the high prices easing. At the moment, a litre of petrol is setting you back around £1.91. Because of that, today, protesters have been out on the roads demanding action. Howard Cox from Cranbrook set up Fair Fuel UK and has been calling for a significant cut in fuel duty. He's been chatting to the podcast. I do support them if they are lawful and they do not interfere with emergency services. Uh, um, I, and I, I was assured by that. I'm nothing to do with them. It's a, a social media driven one, a disparate group of people who have basically fed up to the back teeth with how much their, their cost to fill their cars, their, their vans and their trucks. But, but I, provided they actually do a lawful protest, I will back them. What we're talking about, I understand from them, is that they're going on the go slow. So you can still get around at the moment in time. And provided they don't impact an emergency services and people going about their day, they might lose about 20 minutes to half an hour in the day uh, because of these protests. But it's got to be brought home to the government that these pump prices are unsustainable and crippling the economy and crippling, crippling people's and small businesses' lives. The government and their economic torpor, torpor and their inertia regarding doing anything about this, they've got to cut fuel duty by at least... Uh, 20p. In Germany, it's been cut by 25p. In Spain, by uh, 20p. In Ireland, 17p. And France, 13p. Our 5p cut in the spring statement in March didn't even touch the sides. We have to recognise the fact that this is the commercial heartbeat of any economy is fuel and logistics and uh, 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 travel. These are the sorts of things the government are not recognising and they should be doing something about it. And a Conservative government who's uh, not actually recognising this, uh, they should be hanging their heads in shame. I've been campaigning for 13 years. We've managed to get a freeze in duty since 2011. Uh, we got a, a cut in 2011 of a penny with George Osborne. We got uh, a 5p cut this uh, 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 spring statement just happened in 2022. But it's not impacted. We're still the highest tax drivers in the world. And I repeat, Germany have cut fuel duty by 25p. We need to do the same to get our economy motoring. Next, and the manager of an award-winning pub in Kent has been telling the podcast how increasing bills are crippling his business. Mark Bridgen owns the dog at Wingham and says their utility bills are set to significantly increase in October. This is all at a time when the hospitality industry is still trying to recover from the pandemic, when they were closed for longer than most other industries. Mark's written to MPs to ask for support. We use a lot of electricity and a sort of, I think, a standard amount of gas. Um, The reason we use a lot of electricity is because our kitchen is is all electric, uh, all induction. We're coming to the end of a two-year fixed-price contract, um, and I think... Over the last six years, yeah, this is our third contract with the same supplier. Uh, we use Opus Energy, and they, they've always been very good. We've we've been happy with the rates, etc. And you know the the bills aren't small, but they're they're manageable as part of our our day to day ongoing you know costs of running a business. However, when that contract runs out in um, in October this year, 
um, our new prices are are growing dramatically. Our gas is increasing by about uh, four and a half times, and um, our electric by nearly two and a half times. Um, now, what this actually means, though, in in you know pounds, shillings, and pence, is that our annual utility bill is, which is currently at around thirty-five thousand pounds per annum will be growing to over £100,000 per annum, so a £65,000 increase. What impact is that going to have then on your business come October? It's crippling. Um, you know, our, on, a, on a good year, you know, that would be our profit on a very good year. And this year isn't looking like a good year. Um, you know, we're, we're at the start of a, I believe we're at the start of a recession. Um, you know, we are uh, experiencing you know a downturn in footfall and revenues um, and on top of you know already we've for the last six nine months we've been dealing with increasing costs of everything you know there's been inflationary pressure around the raw materials we buy you know the food and the drinks uh, everything everything we purchase you know when when you run a, a hotel restaurant you you buy almost everything that people need for their everyday lives and everything has gone up and we've just about been handling those increases and then we've been handling those by um by trying to be as creative as possible and recently we have increased our prices of both our on our food menu and our drinks menu um but there's no room to create an extra £5,000 a month. Finally, on this topic today, a Medway animal charity says there's been a rise in the number of people giving up their pets because they simply can't afford to keep them. Wisteria Cat Rescue in Walderslade has found donations have also taken a hit as families cut back to make ends meet. Billy Devitt says rising prices are affecting them too and has been describing the situation. Over the last couple of months, we've certainly seen a rise in um, people giving up their animals due to the increase um, of people losing their jobs, um, the cost of living going up. Um, We've seen a hell of a lot of cats come in because people just can't afford them. And also on top of that, we've also seen a hell of a lot of people that adopted during COVID because they were based at home. They spent a lot of time at home, but now they've gone back to work or back in the office and are now giving their animals up. At the moment, we're so stretched across the board. Um, Normally, predominantly, we deal with strand feral cats, but at the moment, it's trying to prioritise those cats that desperately need the rescue space. Everything's gone up, um, so a bag of litter we used to pay £9 for, it's now gone up to about £13, £14. Um, Cat food, everything's gone up. Obviously, then on top of that, we have to heat the cattery, which is an expense because it's electric. So, yeah, on top of the amount of numbers we've seen as a charity, we've also seen the cost of everything that we use go up. We get no funding. So everything that we do at Wisteria um, is supported by the general public. For people to donate to a cause, that's always going to be part of their luxury for spending. So there has been a drop in um donations that come in um of course um because i appreciate if it's a choice of feeding your own children or supporting a cause you're going to go with feeding your own children it's a domino effect isn't it so one person struggles the next person struggles and so on and so on rehoming of as of course um is slowed down because the domino effect 
if people can't afford to keep their animals, there's a hell of a lot of people that are not going to take on another animal because the cost of living, the numbers are only going to get worse. We're only at the beginning of a long-term plan. Um, so we're going to have to extend the numbers that we can bring in to the rescue, of course, um, and working with other local charities to support each other. They're also struggling to find people to rehome the animals that are brought in. You can read these stories and let us know what you think is the rising cost of living affecting you. Just head to kentonline.co.uk or message us via our socials. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a court's been told how a courier delivering Covid tests was killed by a speeding driver in a hit and run in Dover. The victim's body was discovered in a skip after he was knocked down shortly after collecting tests from a care home on Crabble Hill in December 2020. Donna Grant, who's 52 and from Fairway Avenue in Folkestone, has admitted causing death by dangerous driving but disputes she had cannabis in her system at the time. Police, paramedics and air ambulance crews have been called to a serious crash on the M2 between Chatham and Gillingham. Firefighters had to remove the doors and roof of a car which collided with a lorry yesterday evening. Two people were freed from the vehicle, but it's not known how badly hurt they were. The motorway reopened overnight. A teenager has been taken to hospital with a broken jaw after being attacked in Broadstairs. The victim was reportedly punched in the face on East Cliff Promenade on Thursday night. Police have told us they are investigating. Now, a children's charity has launched a new mental health programme as stats given to the podcast suggest as many as 12,000 children are currently struggling in Medway alone. The Life Matters is holding early intervention sessions for youngsters. It comes as a study shows 7% of children in the UK have tried taking their own life by the age of 17. Chief Executive Mary Brockwell says young people are falling through the cracks. Unfortunately, you find out that a lot of children, they, they're not being able to use their voice, not being picked up on that. They've got autism, which is quite a major thing. They're not being understood in schools or they're not attending schools because there's domestic abuse in the home or there's poverty or there's lots of things happening. So this is where like, and young carers with uh, parents with disabilities, so they're not able to cope. They're not able to express how they feel and what their needs are. So we kind of support to be able to help them to find out exactly what it is so every single child's unique obviously we're, we're not magic but we hope to help build resilience and we have worked with lots of children to build resilience before in the past that's why we came together to do this charity so you mentioned that um you're working mainly with schools in midway so kind of how does that work and what what how are you helping these young people what are the services that you are providing to them is it like counseling um... right so it's like a, um it's a well-being service so we offer an eight to ten week program to be able to build up their skill uh their, their resilient skills in schools um and we kind of don't take any children that are already receiving support from counseling in schools or from CAM. so we're taking the children that have got no services and we're finding it's working really well we've got quite a good caseload at the moment um, obviously we're just at the beginning of the process with this but it is an eight to ten week program and it's obviously education building resilience and helping the child to find their voice so that we can find out what their needs are if they've got specific needs and we help them with those needs but hopefully at the end of the 10 weeks we'll be able to measure um, how they're feeling now and how they're feeling then to be able to see where they go but obviously safeguarding to refer straight into A&E or into CAMS faster, then we will. So hopefully we can stop suicides, but help the family to build resilience. 
And sort of with these programs, um, what kind of are you doing with the kids to help them build their resilience? Yes, yeah, so it's like meeting children in schools, outside of schools, if they're not going to school, to support them to go into school, helping them in school to be able to get passes and stuff that they need within school, making sure they've got a safe person to go to, um, helping the families to do safety plans so that they know what they're doing. Um, making posters, education, games, that kind of thing, just to help the child to build a resilience and to let them use their voice to tell us what they need and we'll help and support them by signposting, supporting in sessions and whatever way we can, really. And so, obviously, kind of going into schools, um, do you think COVID has had an impact on sort of children and their wellbeing? Has it maybe um, either increased sort of the need for these services or has it maybe just highlighted the fact that there isn't as much? I think COVID has, and more recently with the price increases with petrol, food and poverty, that that's, but everything is coming in from different angles. So there's parents that have got depression and their children are not coping. There's just lots and lots of things. Yeah, COVID did um, help well, when children were staying at home and not going into school. Their school sometimes was their support network, network and their happy place. So not going to school has definitely highlighted it. Um, some children haven't gone back from COVID because their anxiety's got really high. So we aim to kind of support these kind of children as well. But yeah, definitely. And more so with the poverty and everything with the bills rising recently, it's more important that we try and help these children and support them going forward. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A painting which was taken from a Blue Water art gallery is still missing three years later. Despite four people being prosecuted, the artwork of Marilyn Monroe's lips hasn't been found. We're told it's worth almost £6,000. Benches and windows have been removed from seaside shelters in Herne Bay to stop them being vandalised. The Victorian-style shelters have been altered by Canterbury City Council after large panels were smashed, costing thousands of pounds in repairs. There are concerns they could be completely removed if the damage continues. Firefighters have been called to Gravesend Town Centre after a pile of rubbish caught a light behind a shop. The blaze is thought to have started accidentally on Queen Street yesterday. Some nearby businesses were cordoned off while crews tackled the flames. Thankfully, no one was hurt. New data shows Tunbridge had the fourth highest number of dog attacks on postal workers last year. 44 were recorded in the TN postcode area. Royal Mail says on average, there are 32 attacks across the UK every single week. Phil Graham is from the company and has this advice for dog owners. Make sure you don't open the door if the dog is free. We ask customers to secure the dogs in another room. Or if you've got a back garden and put the dog there, then please make sure that it can't run round to the front and attack the uh, the postal worker. Meantime, if you're planning a staycation this summer and have a pet, Whitstable is apparently the most dog-friendly destination. The seaside town has come top of the list, beating the likes of Cornwall and the Peak District. Researchers looked at things like campsite facilities, beaches, pubs, walks and access to vets. Kent Online reports. A huge spike has been removed from the top of a seating area on Dover seafront after it was left dangling in mid-air. Some of the benches were taped off because of safety fears over the weekend. You can see a picture of it at Kent Online. There's going to be a vote tonight on plans to build a new leisure centre in Deal. The idea of replacing tides was first suggested back in 2020, but it's been on the back burner ever since because of COVID. Councillors are going to decide whether to press ahead with getting designs drawn up. It's the a rebuild would cost £24 million. Now, we'd love to know what you think on this one today. People living in Whitstable have spoken out about the number of second homes and Airbnbs in the town. 
It's been ranked the eighth most popular town in the UK to own an additional property, but people living there full time aren't happy. It comes after Whitby, a similar seaside town but in North Yorkshire, voted to limit the sale of second homes. Although it was a non-binding referendum, residents hope it'll influence decision makers when it comes to selling new builds. Well, our reporter Brad Harper has been to Whitstable and first spoke to Michael Sterling, who's lived in the town for 40 years. Something's got to be done. But at the same time, you know, it's free enterprise, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know, it's, a, it's just difficult. I don't mm. think you can, I mean, I know they're trying to tax them, obviously, and I can, I can understand that, but every time uh, the government, or whoever it is, wants to change our behaviour, they tax it, doesn't matter what it is, mm. so it could be sugar tax. But I'm against that, you know, generally speaking, but at the same time, I appreciate, m- my view on it is... Just because something's right doesn't mean it's fair. Mm. And for me, I wouldn't buy a second home because I don't think people who buy second homes, particularly when they rent them out, appreciate the impact yeah. on their neighbours. And I don't think it's even a consideration. I think they, it's their right, they can afford to do it, so they do it. Mm. And I just think that just because something's right doesn't make it fair. And I think, I think it's unfair. Personally, I wouldn't do it. And what is the impact you think it has on neighbours? A, a good illustration, right, recently, we've just had the Queen's celebration. And, you know, and all right, it was a few years back, but we, were, we had a street party in Sibbon Street, where, you know, this street, Woodland Street, we were all invited. Well, you couldn't do that now. There's no community. Mm. So it'd be pointless. You'd have about four people. Mm. Um, I mean, I think there's 24 houses here in this section, and I think eight are occupied full-time. So that's one-third. Right. Two-thirds are... So it has a huge impact, so there's no community. Um, noise is obviously an issue. Mm. Um, and just a constant coming and going, mm. you know. Um, yeah, mm. that, that's my view on it. He's also been chatting to Jamie Newcomb. He's lived in Albert Street for the past six years. It's one of those things, it's kind of become a necessary part of Whitstable, owing to like the increase in tourism and things like that. I mean, again, not only are they second homes, but they're also Airbnbs as well. So it can sometimes feel like you're living in a bit of a sort of resort, essentially, when you see the clean-up crew come the next day. So it's not massively offensive. I know a lot of people get wound up by it, but I've been here for quite a long time and seen the change in Whitstable. So, again, it's kind of necessary, to be honest, but equally frustrating for anyone who does want to buy into the area just to live. So, uh, and, yeah. and you mentioned some of the issues there. Mm. Um, so, like, how does it impact this street in terms of maybe parking, litter, uh, rubbish? not too much of an issue. Luckily, people tend to sort of come and go and make little impact in that sense. But parking's always been a nightmare. It's one of the only sort of few areas of Whitswell that's not permit parking or anything like that. So it's a bit of a free-for-all, mm. particularly when you're fourth streets over with kids and a load of shopping and stuff like that. So, yeah, it can be a bit of a nuisance. But, um, mm. yeah, no, for the most part, it doesn't. I sound like I'm really sort of keen for it, but it's one of those things just kind of come to terms with it quite quickly. And are you a homeowner? I'm not, no. No, renting, renting though. Yeah. Um, but you've rented, how long have you been based here for now? Well, we've always lived around Whitsball. We've kind of lived in this particular house for about six, seven years now, so okay. some time in that sense. And it, it's frustrating from that perspective because having always lived our entire lives, you do kind of go, right, when the time comes, Whitsball is not viable at all. Mm for the reasons of second homes and stuff like that. So it's frustrating, but uh, 
yeah, I think that's why we're kind of staying put rented, to be honest, so yeah. we can be here. And how have you seen your rental prices impacted? I think we've been fortunate in the sense that our landlady's kind of stuck to her guns and hasn't gone too crazy. I mean, we get the estate agent actually telling her to put the prices up, which is fun. Um, <laughs> love them for that. Um, but no, for the most part, yeah, we've been okay, but we, we've noticed sort of if we were to rent something similar now, it would cost an extra sort of two, three hundred pounds more. So Right. Okay. Well, we've been asking in a poll online if there should be a ban on turning new build properties into second homes and holiday lets. The overwhelming majority of you said yes, 87% in fact, with just 13% saying no. Kent Online reports. Running up that hill by Kate Bush has become the oldest song to reach number one on the Kent Top 40 on our sister radio station KMFM. It's been made famous again after featuring in the latest season of Stranger Things on Netflix, Breaking My Soul by Beyonce is second in the chart followed by As It Was by Harry Styles. A Folkestone baking company has made a special cake for the Beckhams. The youngest member of the famous family, Harper, turns 11 at the end of this week. The Cake Junction which is based on the old high street created a two-tier splatter style cake complete with a roller skate on the top. Mum Victoria posted pics on her Insta story. You can see them at Kent Online. And we could get temperatures above 30 degrees in Kent next week. The Met Office says the weather's heating up because of high pressure from the southeast. It's looking warm and sunny all this week as well and next Wednesday could be one of the hottest days of the year. Kent Online Sports. Cricket first and Kent have lost their final T20 blast game of the season. The Spitfires were beaten by 35 runs by Glamorgan at Canterbury yesterday. The defending champions only won three of their 14 matches in the tournament this season and finished bottom of the South Group table. Well, our sports reporter Tom Reed joins me now. Tom, what went so wrong? Well, in uh, in short, quite a lot for, for Kent this this summer in the in the T twenty blast really. Expectations were pretty high after last year's success for, for the Spitfires in, in the T twenty blast, um, winning the trophy at Edgebaston um, late last summer, but they just didn't really get going um, this year as they finished um, bottom of their group with just three wins from their fourteen games. Albeit the, the South Group always is pretty strong. Um, three wins from from fourteen games and, and a poor start. Really, they just they never really looked like getting through to the the knockout stages. So um, no doubt, very disappointed with that. It's, um, in terms of what went wrong, it's, it's very difficult to put your finger on that. They missed uh, all rounder Darren Stevens, veteran all rounder Darren Stevens, for quite a large chunk of the T Twenty Plus. Um, Campaign, um, but by and large, it was a pretty similar squad to the to the one that won the competition last year. So, uh, in terms of actually where it went wrong, it's uh, it's uh, difficult to uh, put, put your finger on it, really. And what's the head coach had to say? Well, Kent ended their the T Twenty Blast campaign with a home loss to um, to Glamorgan on Saturday. And speaking after that game, uh, head coach Kent head coach Matt Walker um, was pretty disappointed with the with their latest defeat and how the, their T Twenty Blast campaign in, in general had panned out. He said there were um, some good uh, elements to their cricket on on a few occasions, but on the whole, they still had a, a lot to talk about. And as I mentioned earlier, yeah, it's a very similar squad to the one that. Um, had success in the competition uh, last year. So with that tournament out of the way now then, what are their chances for the rest of the season? Well, their primary focus for the rest of the season will probably be uh, in with their county, camp- county championship campaign. Um, they're back in Division 1 this year. 
And they are presently sitting fourth bottom in the table, um, but have just picked up the, the one win, albeit had um, quite a few draws in there as well. Um, but fourth bottom and um, yeah, just be looking to maintain their Division 1 status in the uh, in the county championship. That'll probably be the, the primary focus throughout the, the rest of the summer, the rest of this season. Um, they'll also be in the Royal One Day Cup later this summer. Tom, thank you ever so much. Moving on to football and it was a 2-0 victory for Gillingham in their first pre-season friendly before starting life in League Two. They travelled to take on Folkestone in Victor on Saturday. The Jules will play Dover this weekend. The season proper starts at the end of the month. And in Rugby League, London Broncos beat Sheffield Eagles by 36 points to 28 during their first visit to Kent in nine years. The match was played at Ebbsfleet's Cufflink Stadium over the weekend. It's because maintenance work is currently taking place at Bronco's normal home ground. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.